Mot Elson, cleric of Mera, goddess of life and death, moves like a spectre through the marketplace of Aerodale, a small town in northern Ulord. The man stops, seemingly to examine the wares of a merchant's stall, much to the merchant's obvious discomfort at the cleric's intimidating presence. As Mot reaches out to grab a fruit and examine it, he listens closely to the conversation of two nearby townspeople. I'm telling you, I'm hearing about weird happenings coming from just a bit to the east. Some of the merchants are talking about how there were some folks dressed in creepy costumes poking around near the cemeteries. Out east? Isn't that about where Myrfall's at with that big old temple to Mera? It is. What of it? Just seems odd to me that someone, more than one someone's even, could be so brazenly robbing graves that near to such a big old temple that it's that sort of thing is downright heretical. <laughs> That's true now that you mention it. You'd think that they could sniff out that sort of thing happening right in their own yard, wouldn't you? <sighs> Without a word, Mott pockets the fruit he had been examining, then sets a handful of coins on the merchant's stall. As the cleric leaves, the merchant sighs in audible relief. Be good. He's gone. Two clerics of Mera, Bion and Nasius, are on their return trip home. They had successfully destroyed a small nest of fledgling vampires, and are looking forward to reporting their deeds to the high priest in their home temple in Mayafall, a large town about three days from Airedale. Nasius is pulled off the path by a strange carving in a tree that had not been there a fortnight ago when he and Bion had set off on their task. Upon realizing that Nasius had left the path, Bion turns to follow his companion. What's the matter, Nas? There's something about this symbol. It's unsettlingly familiar. A symbol? Bion leans in for a closer look at the carving. After a moment of examining, he pulls away from it, feeling as if it was emanating an ominous aura. This, uh, seems like something we ought to report to the High Priest, Nass. Nass? Bion looks around, sighing as he catches sight of his friend and comrade proceeding deeper into the woods. Oh, of course you're heading in. Defeated, Bion quickly moves to follow Nassius along the nearly non-existent path deeper into the woods. Further down the path that the two clerics had taken, sat a cave. Not far from that cave, men and women wearing attire not unlike the costumes alleged by the merchants of Iredale, patrolled the area, seeking to ensure that their fellows within remained undisturbed. Behind them, a man approaches, unheard. Moving swiftly, he dispatches the guards that he had come across, and moves towards the cave. Meanwhile, within the cave, a large group stood around the altar. The altar was constructed with bone, soil, and anything native to the surrounding forest. The group, dressed in yellow robes, looked down upon a fresh corpse. The corpse rested on the altar. It had little sign of decay, 
save the cold skin and the apparent stench of recent death. Akeem, the apparent leader, and the only group member whose attire was differentiated, raised an athame above the corpse. Tonight, in your name, we give ourselves our entirety. We are yours, O Great One who defied certainty, and who, in his ceaseless generosity, gave us the abilities to defy the inevitable. In your name, we serve. May, May death, death be, defied. be defied. Now please, appear to us, Great Defier God. Come to the mortal plane and feast upon our mortal forms. For we are no more than blood and bone and flesh. But with your essence, we can transcend the certainty of life and death. In your name and image, we can take our fates, our futures, into our own hands. May, May death, death be, defied. be defied. And in your honor, we will prove that the gods worshipped by the entirety of Ulord are finite. That there is power to be gained elsewhere. That there is glory in servitude. Yes, now please, hear our summons. We offer your reagents in this recently living person. Great Keishi, bring your will to us. Allow us the privilege of becoming one with you. May, May death, death be, defied. be defied. With the ritual of the cult of Keishi completed, Narcius and Bion look at each other with barely concealed dread. Perhaps we should have informed the High Priest about this. Oh, you don't say. Hopefully we can get out of here to do something about this. We'll be fine. We got in without being noticed. We can get out just as easily. Lacking in his friend's confidence, Bion nevertheless shakes his head in resignation as he and Nassius begin their quiet exit. Two clerics of Keishi block the Tumera cleric's path out of the cave. I never thought one of them would actually be this stupid. Let alone two of them. They're Mara clerics. They believe life is horrible, and then you pass on, and that that is how things should be, and that that is valuing life. You should know they can't be that smart. You have so very much wrong, and we don't have nearly enough time to tell you why. As soon as the words leave his mouth, Nassius moves forward to punch one of the guards out of his and Bion's way. Felkis reacts and moves to stand behind Clara. What are you doing? Just have the others take care of them. I need some time to prepare my magic. You should know that. Fine. Take these blasphemers down in the name of our great, loving god Keishi. He who grants us our ever-life. Uh, that can't be good. Do you see what your impetuousness gets us into? Lecture me later. We have a cave full of these heretics to deal with. The group of Keishi clerics quickly surround the Tumera clerics. Nassius eyed the group of Keishi's worshippers carefully. So I think we could each easily handle about half of them, don't you? Gods, to have your unrelenting confidence... But we certainly aren't going to let them all leave here alive. Well, that's rude. Underestimating us like that. Perhaps worry about keeping them busy for me. Oh. Right. Clara conjures a magical orb between her hands. This should suffice. 
Well, that likely isn't good. Bion conjures a sphere of light in the palm of his hand and turns towards Clara. Clara launched her magical attack at the larger of the two Mera clerics. She quickly conjured another soon after. Bion counters by launching his magical blast at Clara's. All the while, Nasius fights against the nearby Keishi worshippers. Dodging blows or else deflecting them with his gauntlets, the large cleric of Mera lashes out to strike at the followers of Keishi nearest to him and Bion. Dunya, one of the other followers of Keishi, turns toward the scuffle. She turns to Akeem, their group's leader. High Priest, the ritual to summon our Lord has been completed, but he has not yet appeared, and these Mera clerics are proving troublesome. And? What consequence are they to us now? They have served the Great God, the same as you and I, and at this rate they may all be dead before they get their reward. Our Great God will still show up when he pleases, but he will raise the fallen who have given their mortality in his name. We simply have to believe that Keishi will appear to us. You seem certain of that. Simply prepare yourself to fight them. If we kill them for the great god, imagine how pleased he will be to have two Mera clerics forever in his service after their death. That would please him very much. After the Mera clerics stave off the assault from most of the Keishi clerics, Clara backs up to Felkis. <sighs> Please tell me you're ready to take them down now. Patience is a virtue. Felkis continued grinding the various ingredients into fine powders. Clara stares at the Mera clerics with incredulity. As of now? No, it's not. Finish the damn thing! Ugh, you have no appreciation for my craft. Bion. Can you do anything about those two in the back? Narcius barely avoided yet another blow. He felt the light breeze as the weapon moved past him, causing him great alarm. Oh, because there are too many of them for me to fight over there. I'm trying, but it's not easy when these cultists are managing to slip around you. I would really like to not die if I don't have to, damn it. Felkis poured the powder into his gloved hand. The Keishi cleric then threw the powder into the cave. Carry my will and force it onto them, my enemies. The powder was carried on an abrupt wind to the two Mera clerics. As the powder reaches the two clerics, Nasius feels his legs begin to buckle under him. Oh, this isn't good. Hexing? Powder? With those words, the two clerics collapse. The remaining Keishi clerics gather around the Mera clerics. Do we want to kill them? What fun would that be? Then what are we to do with them? While the Keishi worshippers stay silently deep in thought, the temperature of the room instantly becomes freezing. Mock her with her clergy. The Keishi clerics turn and look to their god. You graced us with your presence. All of the Keishi worshippers drop to their knees. Yes, if you could not handle these blind followers of Mera, then you were not worthy of what you have called the Eternity Bargain. 
Turn them into undead servants. Yes, yes. Lord Keishi. The two Mera clerics, conscious and unable to move, lay on the ritual altar. The servants of the god of necromancers prepare the reagents needed to perform the ritual to turn the two Mera clerics into the undead. We still get to kill them, right? Of course. Something must die before it becomes eternal at the hands of Keishi. Good. I cannot wait until we get to feel their warm blood turn cold on our hands. Blessed Mera, please save us. Mera has to protect us from this. She would never let anything like that happen to her clergy. Outside the cave, Mott Elson, wandering pilgrim and cleric of Mera, locates the entrance. In his wake are many of the Keishi worshippers who had been serving as guards and patrollers. The heavily scarred man peers into the cave, hoping to learn what he could expect to face within. His eyes settle on the altar at the back of the cave, and the barely moving silhouettes atop it, narrowing in anger. I am in time to stop at least some of their blasphemy. The cleric takes several steps forward and closes his eyes. A magical circle forms around his feet as he prays to Mera. Life, death, and rebirth as you wish it to be. In the ethereal realm, the home of the gods of Ulord, Mera sits with her fellow deities, Barbas, Mikhail, and Tahir. The quartet had come together for conversation and tea. So, Mikhail? It occurs to me to ask... What about, dear Mera? These pets of yours that you are so fond of, Draggy and the Thunderbird, I have never seen them. Yes, and your point. I simply have to wonder if they truly ex... Uh, one moment, please. A precious follower of mine is calling for my aid. With that... Mera sets down her cup of tea and disappears. Ah, peculiar. I do wonder what it was she planned to ask about my beloved pets. I am certain she will ask when she returns. Though I must wonder what sort of prayer could be so important that she would drop everything to answer it. She did claim it a precious follower of hers, so I am positive it is something of the utmost importance. Given how much she loves all mortals, I have to wonder what makes this particular one so precious. We can ask her when she returns, I am certain. In agreement, the three gods nod and begin to sip at their teas. Moments later, Mera returns, visibly panicked and concerned. All of you, please, come with me now! Mera, what is the matter? Why do you look so worried? Worried? I would qualify this as her being more... terrified. Terrified? The goddess of life and death? What would she need to be terrified of? I suppose we will find out. 
Just come with me, and you will see. With those words, Mera once more disappears. The remaining deities pass the situation, looking to one another briefly before they follow after Mera. <laughs> <laughs>